0: Well,
1: there isn't anything better to have than a problem that's worth solving. The kind of incredible physical being that these people take and go after it. 12,
0: 14, 16 hours, you're wet, you're cold.
1: And welcome back to Crestor, a purposeful life driven by endurance. We got Pat and Dan here with episode ten, which is going to be a really jam-packed, uh, fun episode talking about our recent races. So we've got a lot of fun, fun stuff to to talk about. But uh, you want to say hi to everybody, Pat?
0: Hello, everyone. Good afternoon.
1: That's right. We're recording this on the Sunday, the twenty-seventh, uh, after the Thanksgiving uh, holiday and excited to finally catch up on what's been a crazy couple weeks for us but uh we're not going to follow our traditional format for this week we're just going to kind of jump into our races and we think that's probably going to be quite a bit of content but uh without further ado pat do you want to catch us up on what you've been up to
0: yeah absolutely um so uh pretty much since the last one, I was going up wallops doing a uh, FCLP debts, which we have previously talked about. So I don't want to go into much uh, detail, um, but it was really nice. It, I was able to break up wallops with my marathon. Uh, and, 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 you know, it kind of allowed me to be pretty tamed going into a marathon weekend with wallops. So uh, a lot of flying and a lot of, you know, just making sure what I could control. I controlled and did some runs rolled out, you know, Jumped in the water a couple times, got in the hot tub. So (laughs) that was good. Um and then, you know, I was able to go out to Richmond and it was fun. Um so I uh Richmond so from Wallops Island to Richmond was about I think it's a little over two and a half hour drive. So it wasn't terrible. But yeah, not bad uh, at all. Yeah, the nice thing is a couple other people needed to go home that weekend. Uh, one, his wife was running it, and the other one uh, just had some stuff that he had to take care of. So it was really nice having people to travel with, I um, just like you know my mind thinking about the race all the time by myself. Uh, <clears throat> so I got out there to Richmond um, Friday. I went to Packet Pickup at uh, Richmond Speedway, I believe it is, which is the NASCAR track there. And I get there, I grab my packet, I'm waiting to pick up my shirt, and a tornado warning hits.
1: <laughs> no, really?
0: <laughs> yeah. no. Like, you hear, you know, everyone's phone start to, to like, hit that, that siren sound. And me being, me with our, you know, background in aviation, I pull up my aviation app that kind of gives us weather. And I look at the trajectory of, the cell that's being talked about as a tornado and it's literally coming right at Richmond speedway. <laughs> oh <man. laughs> So I wasn't able to get my, you know, I wasn't able to go over and grab my shirt cause they closed it. So at this point I just had my bib and some people went into these temporary tents that like where they had all the sway you could buy. Um, and then some people, which I, you know, I wish everyone did. Well, everyone. Yeah. Um, there's a tunnel going from outside the stands to going into the, the pit area where all the pack of pickup was. And yeah. I was like, I'm going to the tunnel. Um, and they, you know, it was supposed to be a 20-minute delay, and then the storm just kept kind of showing that it had the potential for tornado warning. Um, and after about 30 minutes, I was like, I'm not waiting to pick up my shirt, so I never actually got my shirt from Richmond, but I did get my bib. Um, oh, bummer. And thankfully, the tornado never touched down. Um, but it was that was an exciting way to start off my uh, marathon weekend. <laughs> Dude, making <laughs> you adapt the to the
1: chaos right out, right out of the gate. Yeah,
0: exactly. Uh, <laughs> so I completely went into my instinctual mode and was like, "How do I survive? What's the best structure to prevent me from uh, getting swept?"
1: And it's surprisingly um, not the the plastic tent that has the swag in it. Yeah. And I was like,
0: why are you telling people to go into this plastic tent when it's, but you know, I'm not the race director. So I went into the tunnel. Um, and it was kind of funny cause it was so much downpour that the tunnel started to fill up with water.
1: Whoa!
0: It was just straight chaos. It was awesome. Uh, but then after that, I, uh, went over to my, my buddy that I ran cross country with in high school. He was doing the half marathon, um, which was the same morning as the marathon. So he, he was uh nice enough to allow me uh, to host me. So we I stayed at his place and he made this um this like cauliflower pasta like vegan dish the night before like, pre-race and it was
1: some good amazing. race fuel.
0: Oh, it was so good. Um and we just chilled. Uh just kind of hung out around the house and then waited till waited till we had to wake up the next morning for Christmas. Um <laughs> And I actually slept like a freaking baby. I don't know if that's a sign that, you know, I'm a bit more comfortable with my, with race morning because of my experience. Um, I'm not sure. Um, But yeah, slept really well, woke up, and then just started rolling out, getting food in me right away. I typically wake up about three hours prior to my race. Uh, So the start was like 7.45. So I woke up up around like 4.30, 4.45. And... uh, yeah, started to get the body as loose as possible. Talked with my coach. I didn't really need to. Uh, I didn't need to warm up. You know, um, your adrenaline itself will kind of help your body get to the state that it needs to be by the time you're in those first couple miles. Sure. And uh, yeah, we got over to race. There was some traffic getting into the parking garages. So my buddy, the half started at 7:30, and it was like 20, 30 minutes before. It was probably seven o'clock and we we're still like in traffic. So he jumped Jeez. out of the car and started running towards, um, the start. Cause you know, you got to get all those, uh, pre-race bathroom, uh, stops in prior.
1: Oh, for sure. Multiple uh, in my case.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I hadn't done this before, but you know, this is a new trick that I'm certainly going to take. Um, when walking from the parking garage to the start, I passed by a bunch of hotels. And Ooh. all the racers are in the hotel, so they don't know who's who. So with like you know, twenty minutes until the race, I just stopped in the hotel and went to the restroom there instead of the porta potties. Dude, that's a scream. pro move. <laughs> so I'm totally doing that again. Uh, yeah. If the race has that format, like Boston, for example, it's you're you know, twenty six miles outside the city, and you're at a bunch of tents with people. But uh, <clears throat> yeah, so got that. Got to the start line. Um, and, uh, man, there was this 11 year old girl that sang the national anthem and it was probably one of the best national anthems i ever heard. Really? Uh, yeah, it was beautiful. Um, honestly I had chills. It was, it was really cool. Great way to start the race. And, um, she sang at the half as well. And my buddy that I stayed at his house, he, um, at the half, when they sing the national anthem, <laughs> he was actually standing next to the girl's grandfather. And uh, my buddy goes to the older gentleman, and goes, Man, that was amazing! and he goes, Yeah, that's my granddaughter, and just like with uh, the biggest smile, with so much pride just glowing. Um, so I thought that was pretty cool. She was, she, it was awesome. Um, and then the race started, it was kind of awkward because instead of like ready, set, go, the announcer just says, go. <laughs> oh, really? And however many runners there were, we all just stood there like, was that actually the start of the race? And someone asked, was, like, was that the start of the race? And he goes, yeah. <laughs> and then Everyone starts running. <laughs> um, so it was certainly an awkward pause, which probably made everyone stop thinking about whatever and uh, just laugh a little, which ended up being a good thing. Um, so yeah, I, yeah you know, I got out, um, kind of my game plan was to shoot for a six twenties, a six thirties. And then, uh, for the first, first two, and then kind of feel what my natural pace would stand out, feel comfortable around mile three and four. And I didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> you just went out too hard? Uh, yeah. Um. So I started running with this with one of the top female runners, and I kind of asked her like, "Hey, what are you shooting to do?" Um, and she was shooting for two forty seven, two fifty. So I was like, "Oh, that's what I'm doing." So I just kind of stuck with her. And first mile, I think we went like six oh five. Second mile was like six ten. And then I joined up with this younger kid. I was talking to him and I was like, so what are you trying to run? He's like, I think I'm gonna go for two forties. So like he was doing six fifteens. Yeah. Um, and I was like, you know what, let's see what happens. Uh, so I just started running with this kid cause you know, I could kind of go mindless and I just stuck with him on his hip. The lady actually kind of took off and started going a little bit faster. Hmm. Um, and I started talking with the kid and I shouldn't have been talking because I was tired. Um yep. and he was talking fine. I was like, this kid's a two forty dude. Come to find out, he was he's stationed down in Pensacola, Florida. He's like an ensign, which I thought was hilarious. No way. Really uh he <laughs> was you know, he had an air contract to become a Navy pilot, but the backup there in Pensacola right now is over a year. So he opted out of his air contract and is now in IP, which is like uh I forgot what it stood for. But IP school is also down there in Pensacola. Uh so I ran with him for, you know, another four or five miles. It's information something. I was
1: thinking it had to do with the cyber realm that has Yeah, it is. It's it's a cyber graduation.
0: Yep. So it's like a cyber type thing. Um, Hmm. but ran with him and, you know, probably around four or five, we had this group of like five people show up. Um, and we kind of just grew like had a group of like seven to eight runners
1: just all got a little like Peloton going together.
0: Yeah, it was really cool. Um, and I kind of just like, you know, got in and just tucked in with the group. And the nice thing is we're going West and the wind was out of the West. So I was able to draft. Uh, nice. So I kind of, you know, on the fly was like, well, if I'm going to run 620s or 630s and I'm by myself breaking the wind, you know, 610s to 615s is probably somewhat equal energy.
1: Yeah, that logic makes sense to me.
0: Yeah, and um, the problem is I kept running that same pace once I had a tailwind.
1: Uh, so
0: like, well, you got to... The, Running east, and I kept doing like 610s to 615s. Um, so at this point, I was like, All right, I, you know, like I'm just gonna see what happens, I'm gonna send it, and uh, <laughs> I'm still gonna send it. Got, yeah, I'm still gonna send it because I, you know, this I had PR'd my 5k, I PR'd my 10k, so I was like, You know, maybe this is gonna be gonna, like PR, even though it was hot out, it was actually, um uh uncharacteristically like hot for was it November? Yeah, yeah it was November. It was what
1: like almost 10 degrees hotter than you're expecting.
0: Yeah it was high sixties to ending with like low seventies, which is pretty <clears throat> hot. Yeah. And it was there was no overcast. It was sunny. So um but yeah I I crossed the half marathon point at just under 122. Um and I was like, uh oh.
1: Running out of matches. Um
0: Yeah, yeah. So around mile fifteen it goes back. So you cross the James River going south and then you go back across the James River going north into the city. And it's super exposed and traditionally the wind starts to pick up, so you want to tuck behind someone there. And then there's a gradual climb up to mile eighteen or so. Um, and I found this strong runner who ended up absolutely just destroying it. Um, and I kind of partnered up with him and we took the hill and from 15 to 18, I was just digging, uh, <laughs> and I could kind of feel the fatigue setting in and one that I've felt in the past. So, um, got to 18 and I missed the water station and I think there was a little bit more of a mental, um, it was more mental than it was like than anything but yep from like 18 to 20 i was just suffering uh, so
1: was that was mile... that suffering like you know muscular pain or were you seeing your pace drop at that point as well
0: yeah so mile 17 18 because it was a climb we went like six 25 628 which is it's good you should do that like when you're doing a climb your effort should be the same as is on a flat so obviously you're not gonna be as fast but yeah after about mile I think mile 19 I went 645 and then mile 20 I came across and the mile 20 gives you a timer and I was at two hours and six minutes so I did quick math and I was like well my goal is 247 to 250 I think 250 is probably still realistic, um, and I'm supposed to fly <laughs> uh, in two days, so <laughs> I uh, pulled back and I pretty much averaged probably a seven ten pace for the last six point two miles. Um, Just kind
1: of accepting where you're at in that moment. Yeah,
0: yeah, and I—I I mean, my legs were pretty fried. Um, and I could feel my heart get, getting relatively elevated, and it was starting to get hot. Mm. Um, so I didn't want to bonk. Um, so I, I, I assessed where I was, and I pulled back, and it ended up working. I mean, I came across at like two fifty thirty seven, which, funny enough, September of two thousand seventeen I ran a two fifty thirty six. <laughs> no way. Which is really weird. Yeah. Um it's wild. But you know, looking at looking back and talking with my coach, um I'm pretty stoked. Uh I mean, yeah, I went two fifty thirty seven, qualified for Boston. Obviously I didn't run the smartest race possible. Um, but you know, given the elements, how hot it was and, uh, being my first dedicated like marathon that I've trained for in five years, it was fun. Um, so, you <laughs> know, I had previously stated that, you know, running Boston in April, I'm gonna, uh, smell the roses. <laughs> yeah. Well, now my coach is like, Hey, bud, like, we're not going to smell the roses. We're going to get after it. So there's going to be some type of uh compromising there. Uh, maybe I'll look to run a comfortable 250, Um yeah. Or we'll see how the weather is. And if it's like PR weather and it's like, all right, you have a bunch of people that are really fast that you can just run with for the whole race. Let's get after it. Let's go for a PR. Yeah. Um, so and, with and that, what, what like,
1: sorry to interrupt. Sorry? What's your marathon PR again?
0: My marathon PR I think is 2:44:35. Wow. So it's about it's just Oh, it's just under a 6:15 minute mile pace. Okay. Um and that one I actually stopped at mile 18 and had to use the restroom for over a minute. Really? So I probably could have went faster. Um yeah, but I that's can... uh, that, that's a, that was a learning experience. Just be when you're running. Um, Yep. So <laughs> Uh, or watch your liquids. So, yeah. um, yeah, we'll see. I uh, uh, this, the week off was amazing, which was <laughs> so nice. And, uh, then I came to the realization that today is the 27th and I now have 19 days until I start my new marathon training plan. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> but you know, like it, I need the training plan. It keeps me going. It keeps me moving. It gives me a purpose <coughs> for waking up. Um as my dad would always say, it helps keep my act together. Yeah. yeah. So it was it was a lot of fun. Um
1: Sounds like it.
0: Yeah, it wasn't probably one of the highlights was when I finished and we went over to kinda the tent area where they had all the food vendors and the beer vendors and buy this, buy that. I, <clears throat> my buddy, cause he was from Richmond knew like the good spots to go sit. And we found this like really nice shady area and I took the towel or the blanket that they gave us and I just put it on the ground and it was somewhat of a sloped hill and I just had my feet at the top of the hill and my head at the bottom and I just laid there and I felt Amazing. It was <laughs> so nice. It was, I didn't want to get up. It was great. And like these little doggies were playing around. It was cool.
1: That um, sounds picturesque.
0: Yeah, it was great. And then the week off was nice. I, my coach just had me doing like little 30-minute walks. I was obviously flying the whole time. So I was able to get up and get going. And um, being there in Chincoteague, the water was somewhat cold. So I jumped in a couple times. And, I, I felt uh, really good on the muscles. Oh, it was amazing. Um, this morning I actually went for a run out on the ocean front and jumped in the water after and the water was, the water was pretty good. Um, so yeah, it was fun. Uh, I feel good. Um, there's a little bit of muscle aches here and there, but, uh, my flexibility strong. There's, there's nothing really that's like screaming at me. So and I no injuries. I, yeah, I, I think this I did a good job of um, of resting post race. One little uh, equipment hiccup I had during the marathon was I have the Alpha flies by Nike, um, but with my leg length discrepancy, I like to put in inserts from other shoes to raise my right heel ah. compared to my left. And I had only run five k's and ten k's with the insoles. Well, after about mile twenty, the insoles had started to actually like um, fold.
1: Oh no! (laughs) So like my like crumple up at the front.
0: Yeah, in the front they crumpled up and they're like pushing my toes. Uh, so that was definitely a lesson learned. I probably won't race in those shoes for a full again. They're actually a little bit small. Um, so I'll look at something different, but, uh, for that being my only real issue, I I think it overall went pretty well. Um, Yeah. But yeah, it, it was fun. Um,
1: dude, what an experience.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah, dude. Um, but enough about me. How about you? You're the one that did uh a two point four mile run swim, hundred and twelve mile bike, and then you ran a marathon, just uh you know.
1: run run is a very very debatable term. <laughs> For the marathon <laughs> portion, it was it was more of a suffer fest, but uh but yeah. So the it was the week the week after uh <clears throat> your marathon, a Sunday race, which is actually a little non standard, <clears throat> usually the The races are on Saturday, but I raced, uh, Ironman, Arizona in uh, Tempe, which is one of the Eastern suburbs of Phoenix. And, uh, and that's, that's my singular race that I ended up doing this, this season. I had a couple other races that had been planned and, uh, didn't get to do them, um, for various reasons, but, uh, but I got to do the one big one, I guess my, my one a (laughs) race and, uh, holy cow it was it was a success i long story short i didn't hit my my goal of uh the personal record um but i did finish which is always priority number one yeah and uh and i would say with this being number four this is my favorite experience out of the four races so far um and i'm excited to kind of share why but yeah we let's see i i had a just about a week off where I, I flew out to, to Phoenix, uh, the Thursday before the, the Sunday race, um, with the Ironman distance, there's, there's a lot of check-in stuff that has to be done pretty well in advance. You have to get, uh, all of your, your standard, you know, bib and all your, your different transition bags checked up and stuff. Um, I also took that opportunity to, uh, get a bike tune up cause I, I have a bike case. I flew with my bike, but you have to tear down your bike and then rebuild it. And I just wanted to have, you know, somebody that knows what they're doing just to double check. Um, and there was, yeah, Yeah. there was something in my front fork that I did mess up. That was a little loose and they were able to fix that. So that was uh, money well spent. And then, uh, and then, yeah, you had to have done your full check in by Friday or else you couldn't race Sunday. And, uh, that was good because I, I got there after Thursday stuff shut down. So I, I needed that that Friday to to do my check-in. And then Saturday is when you drop off your bike and that stays overnight. Um and then which is funny, we were talking about how much money in bicycles were in this locked in area, you know, with I think it ended up being around 20 to 2,300 athletes. And you know, bikes ranging anywhere from maybe $500 up to, like, 15000 between the bike, the wheels, you know, yeah all the, the Gucci, uh, you know, electronic shifters and stuff. But we were talking about how many millions of dollars in bicycles were in that one spot overnight. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we dropped all that stuff off. We drop off um, the transition bags. So, like, all the stuff I needed... Uh, for my bike ride, so like when I got out of swim, that's the bag that I'm gonna grab out of the line of bags that has my athlete number on it, and uh, you know it's got my bike shoes, my bike jersey, my my kit, socks, helmet, you know, sunglasses, all that good stuff. And then same thing for the run, and you position those bags in numerical order um, amongst the other 22, 2300 bags, and then uh, and then we're off to to go hang out. And this was a special race because uh, my mom has been able to come to all four of my full distance uh, triathlons. But, um, and then my dad was able to make Ironman Maryland. But other than that, it's just been my mom and I for these races, which you know is, is amazing. But this was special because I had my, my sister, my brother-in-law, and then two sets of aunts and uncles who are in the Phoenix area. And I got to see, see all of them. Uh, unfortunately there was a sickness kind of running through the family. And so, um, they were all kind of down by, by race day, but I got to see them leading up to the race, which was really special, especially cause my aunt, um, is a big marathon runner and she, she has always been inspiring to me as an endurance athlete. Cause you know, she's been running marathons before, since before I was alive and, uh, it's just really really special to have always looked up to her. And then here I'm running this, this Man here in her, you know, backyard, which is pretty cool. But yeah, it was, uh, it was really relaxing. I think I did a really good job of just kind of not stressing about it. And, and normally I'm kind yeah. of a bundle of nerves like the day before. And I was a little bit, but, um, the family indulged me and we, to get my mind off of things, we just, uh, we watched a bunch of, uh, like highlight videos of, of like endurance sports and stuff on YouTube. And, um, and there's a, you know, we've talked about the Barclay marathons before there's a, a sequel of sorts to the Barclay marathons that was released on YouTube. And we watched that on Saturday before the race. And it was like a 90 minute documentary about, um, this athlete trying a couple of years in a row to, um, complete the Barclay marathons. And it was just in, invigorating like thinking about this and you know the time of a, an average Ironman is about the time of a slow single loop at the barclay marathons <laughs> and so yeah i stored that away in my my data bank to think about when i was struggling out there on the course to be like this is nothing <laughs> you know yeah compared oh, to yeah. some of the stuff out there just to take it in stride but yeah um it was a six 6.50 start for the age group 6.40 start for the pros on Sunday morning so I got up I got up about 2.30 uh Sunday morning and uh thankfully it kind of acclimated to Arizona time pretty quickly which is two hours back from here on the east coast and uh and was just kind of you know in the zone getting all fueled up um rolling out, stretching, all that good stuff. And then uh, all the family was up by about 4.45 to have a a cup of coffee. And then we got on the road to um, go get to transition and get ready for the race. So for any triathlon, but especially like the full distance, you want to make sure you're there early because you have to – anything you want to throw in your your transition bags that you forgot the day before, you can go access those bags. Oh, wow. But then then you can also uh, go up to your bike. And uh, check the air in the tires. Like, um, that's usually when I so like the race morning. I'll I'll fill up my water bottles, and that's when I put them on my bike, put them in my bags. So it's it's a little bit of admin on race morning.
0: Yeah.
1: And then you have to get to the swim start, get your wetsuit on, and uh, and stretch and warm up like anything you want to do. I don't I don't do any warm up for the full distance because it's already a long enough day as it is. I I just leave my muscles be. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, there's plenty of time to warm up, oh, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, I just got to hang out with, uh, the family and, um, uh, and just kind of chill there while they did the national anthem and, uh, and then get up in the corral for the, uh, 2200, uh, or so athletes to start the race. Um, and that's when the day started off with a real bang for me because, it was I think 60 and a half degrees, um, water temp, which if, if you're not used to swimming in like open water or I guess, or paid attention to pool temps, that might not seem very cold, but, um, you know, water temp versus air temp is it quite the drastic difference and 60 degrees is, is pretty cold. Yeah. Um, I've swam in, in low fifties before with just a wetsuit, no, no, uh, you know, special cap, like plus this, like a thermal cap Uh under the swim cap, uh, or booties or anything like that. But I've been able to always acclimate prior to getting to the water. And this time it was, you know, it's, it's a damned portion of the salt river there, the Tempe town lake that we swam in. Yeah. And, and as such, they don't allow you to, um, get in the water prior to starting except for the pros. And so, so for me, it was like, all right, we'll just do it live. No problem. I've swam in colder. But that came to bite me like immediately as I got in. And I forgot to mention, the. I mentioned I was sick, I think, last podcast, and then I had to cut some training and all that. Well, I've had some lingering bronchitis, and I'm actually still coughing a bit, so apologies for that. I've been trying to mute myself when I can. But, um, but I get in the water, the shock of the cold, just like not having a chance to acclimate, just kind of hit me all of a sudden. Not to mention I'm, I'm coughing with my you know, bronchitis. And, um, it was, it was quite the challenge to breathe like at all, let alone like have any breathing pattern. So I I try to start swimming and my chest just like kind of seizes and I'm trying to breathe. I'm trying to cough. And it was like a panic like I've never experienced before. Um, especially in the swim portion, because, you know, swimming's my, my forte, and it's always the thing I look forward to, and a chance to kind of chill before I get to the the events that I'm not as good at, right? And uh, and it was like, you know, the first, you know, sixty seconds of the swim, I was like, <laughs> what on earth is going on? And I actually, I I actually, you know, got to employ a little bit of my my you know skill set as a Navy pilot to calm down, and and literally what happened in my head when I started feeling that panic was all right, Dan, pretend like you're coming in for a night trap. You know, your breathing starts to get a little erratic. Like you're getting, you know, hyped up. The weather's bad. Like it's going to be a really sketchy night trap. Just calm down, focus on your exhales, slow the breathing down. Yeah. And that's actually what got me through it. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, and sure enough, you know, maybe two to five minutes later, like I was breathing you know, steadily normally. And then, and then from then on out in the swim, it was just, um, you know, kind of waiting until my extremities went numb because it was so painful as your, your head, your hands and your feet are so cold. Right. Yeah. But as soon as they went numb, it was like, I was in the groove <laughs> and, you know, just like stroking. It was awesome.
0: So did you have a wetsuit uh, on? Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yep. And what was this? Got st- a wetsuit.
0: What was the starting format?
1: uh okay so it's it's a big corral your your time you have until you have 17 hours from the last athlete in the water to finish uh but your time your personal time doesn't start until your timing chip which is on your ankle crosses the the mat which is right at the entry to the water so there's no penalty unless you really need that those extra few minutes to finish there's no penalty to like starting whenever you want to start but Okay. But they have signs for your expected swim time. So, like, yeah. I was in the the 60 to 70-minute uh, lane. And then, um, so, like, all the people who are expecting to go between an hour and hour 10 were all in, like, one group, and then we would all go together. That way, hopefully, people aren't getting crawled over quite as much. It inevitably happens. But, um, so, yeah, it was just kind of like, you know, a cattle corral just like everybody kind of shuffling forward they were starting five athletes every five seconds or so okay and uh and that worked out really well it was uh it was a quick process I mean I was obviously towards the front of the the group so I didn't have to wait that long but um but yeah I I thought it went really smoothly um the only problem was it's a single loop swim and since the the start and finish are not in the same location the geometry of it makes it so that you swim about 75% of the swim in one direction, which happened to be into the sunrise. Oh God. And so it was really difficult to sight and see, um, where the next buoy was. Oh! And so I had to do a lot of, I was just hanging onto people's feet. I would would find somebody who was going about like a, a minute 30 per hundred, you know, yards ish pace and, uh, and just kind of hang onto their feet and just draft off of them. But then, you know, live by the gouge, die by the gouge kind of, kind of thing where, like, if he's going the wrong way, going you're going the wrong, the wrong way. way. Yeah. And sure enough, I, I veered all over the place because, you know, even when I was leading other people, like, I, you know, it's like, I think this is the right way. And I was going, like, 15 degrees off course. So I definitely bought some extra yardage because of that. But But, yeah, it was before I knew it, I was, like, hitting the turnaround and then finishing, like, the last half mile. And, uh, and then I was out of the water and it really wasn't that bad of a swim after that first, you know, five minutes or so. And then the next tough part was running. It was about a half mile from the swim exit to the transition tent and you're running like barefoot. They have kind of like this red carpet thing that you run on just to like keep you from running like straight on the grass and, uh, getting stuck in your feet. Um, but, but your feet are numb. So you're running on these, you know, stubs like tree trunks. It feels like, and uh, of course, just anybody who's who's had an impact on like a numb extremity, it hurts. So you're running on these painful feet that you can't feel for a half mile. <laughs> it hurts so bad. But then, then we get to the change tent, and then your hands don't work because they're numb, so you can't you don't have any dexterity. So I couldn't get my like, socks on. I couldn't like get my kit on. And so, like, I was relying on, like, volunteers. Like, there are a bunch of volunteers, and they're helping people get dressed, which is normally they're, like, handing out water and stuff, yeah. but, like, people just couldn't move.
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs>
1: yeah. That was that was a new experience for me. I've always done warm water-ish uh, full-distance tries. But, uh, but, yeah, the worst part was that I couldn't wipe the grass off my feet. And I was kind of used, I was just crimping my, my, my fingers against my palms. I couldn't really move them individually. Yeah. And just to grab the socks. And so I had like, you know, a small handful of grass inside each sock. Oh <laughs> no. That, that I'm like smushing my feet against throughout a seven hour bike ride after. <laughs> so I was a little worried about my foot health, uh, for the marathon, but, but I was like, well, we'll see, we'll see here. And, uh, later on today, how it works out and it ended up being fine. But, um uh, but yeah, I got out onto the bike, the, uh, excuse me. the bike had, I would say the most challenging aspect of the day, which was a significant headwind. Yeah. Um, So it's a three, it's a loop. It's really an out and back. It's a three times out and back bike course where you're, you're riding about 37 miles um, in this out and back. And you do that three times for 112 miles. So the good part is you get to see the whole course, you know, in, 37 miles and then you just do it twice more the bad part is if there's anything you know environmentally tough about the course you get to um encounter that twice more and anticipate it (laughs) which is the worst
0: oh yeah that sucks
1: (laughs) you know yeah like i'd much rather have a a worse section of the course that i don't know to worry about yeah like three hours down the line but uh but you know um it's not like you can draft yeah yeah it's all individual effort so you're you're fighting to this. So the tough part is that there was somewhere around, I never actually ended up looking back at the winds to see what they were, but it was it was roughly around 20 knots of headwind um, heading out of town. So, you know, 18, 18 and a half miles or so into the wind. And I was at my target wattage of uh, like 150 watts. I was averaging between 11 and 12 miles an hour, <laughs> which is, you know, concerning. Um, thankfully I had my wattage. Otherwise I would have pushed harder and torched my legs thinking that I was going too slow, but you know, of course, as soon as we hit the turnaround and it's, it's a gradual climb all the way out to the turnaround. Um, nothing too bad, but enough to feel it that combined with the headwind was really tough. And then you hit the turnaround and I was going like 28 miles an hour on the way back into town. Yeah. So that was amazing. But the whole time you're you're just flying, you know, in that slight downhill with the tailwind. You're thinking about the next two loops that you're going to go into that headwind at 11 miles an hour. Conserve. Yeah. And that was, that was rough. So, so yeah, the first loop, first out and back was, was fine, but concerning. The second one was, uh, I would say the worst mentally because you knew you had to do it one more time. But then, um, the final one was when I, I always find my demons like somewhere from like mile 80 to a hundred on the bike Yeah. and just like clockwork. Um, that was, uh, about mile 80. So like starting the third loop until the turnaround was by far the, the worst part of the race for me. And, uh, I was joking with my family. I was, I was looking out into this, you know, you're, you're kind of like heading out, um, towards like Payson, like out of, out of uh, Phoenix yeah. on this highway. And I was looking out at all these, these you know, cacti out in, the, out in the wilderness there. And I was like, I wonder if I could just ride off into the, <laughs> off the highway and just ram into a cactus and end it all right now. <laughs> like how fast did I have to go to impale myself on a cactus and, and make it a painless experience? <laughs> but no, it was... It was just, just keep my head down, and, and uh, I, I I stopped to, to stretch a couple times, which is not normal because my back oh, was wow. so jacked up for being in the aero position yeah. for so long, so I just like purposefully would like stop at like an aid station, like sip on a little water while I just like bent my back out of like a question mark position, and then uh, yeah, so it was like six hours, 45 minutes on the bike, and then I got back for the marathon, and was about the happiest I've ever been in my life. You're getting off that bike. You know, you give it to a volunteer. Yeah. You don't actually re rack oh, your bike. Sick. They they take it back and re rack it for you. Yeah. And so I gave it to the guy and I was like, You can keep it, man. I hate that thing. <laughs> I you never want like to see that bike again. That. <laughs> yeah. And uh and got my my shoes on stuff. Um oh yeah, I forgot to mention my my feet didn't Regain their feeling, you know, talking about them being numb out of the swim, they didn't regain their feeling until I started my second loop on the bike. I was you know thirty seven miles into the bike before I could feel what anything was the out outside air temperature that's how it was chilly, so um it had been mid to high seventies the day before race race day. It was like sixty a high of sixty six I think on race day, and then it got up to seventy six the day after race day. <laughs> So it was just like one day of yeah, chilliness Um uh, yeah, which wouldn't be as bad if you didn't have the the swim there at the beginning, and then of course running in the dark, the temperature dropped quite a bit, and that came to be quite a factor on the marathon, but uh but yeah, get back, get all my running stuff on, and uh my family oh my family did such a great job of like planning out like when to when to be where on the course to see me and so they were like they saw me come in off the bike cheer me on and then they like repositioned while I was changing to my run stuff uh so that they were like right past the the transition tent so as soon as I came out I got to stop and and I deliberately like you know slowed down to like a full stop just to like give them hugs and and chat with them for That's a second cool. and uh and then start the marathon um and there's this phenomenon, like getting off the bike, no matter how miserable the bike was, your body just like tends to do really well for the first couple of miles of yeah. the, the run. But it's all a farce. <laughs> You're, you you uh, know yeah. it's going to end, and everybody's got the different mileage when it ends. Uh, at least like the superhuman feeling that you have, and uh, and I knew mine was somewhere around like three to five miles. And it hit me. I I think I ran like, I was running like 8.15s, like 8.30s or so for the first like four miles. And I was just, oh, I felt amazing. I was like crushing the uphills. Like I was just taking advantage of it because I knew it was, it was you know, quickly depleting. And there was no way I could hold on to it any longer by slowing down or anything. And so, uh, so yeah, sure enough, like exactly at mile four, my body was like, nope, you're done. And that's when the real crucible started <laughs> and, uh, and I had the next 22 miles just to kind of ponder my existence and, and, and fight yeah. through some really tough, tough challenges mentally. And and then of course on the, on the run, but, uh, Oh man, I, at that point I, I, I was like, okay, what can I do? I know I can't just consistently run Initially, my plan was to run the first half marathon. You know, everything was botched. You know, based off of my getting sick and like having to stop training. Right. So this is all kind of an adaptive game plan. And so, my my first, if everything was perfect somehow, I was gonna run maybe slowly but still run consistently for the first half marathon, and then I was gonna do like a two minute yeah. run, one minute walk, for the for the second uh, half marathon. Well that was abundantly clear. I couldn't do that after the first, you know, four miles, like the way my legs felt. So I was like, okay, I'll start run walking. And then I just kind of, you know, clipped together different run walks. Uh, I, I elected to walk every aid station and just get as much nutrition in me as possible. Cause I knew it was going to be a longer day and that extra nutrition was going to make the difference a couple hours, you know, later. And I think that was, that was a really smart, smart decision. And then, the other thing I decided was to really hang my hat on just being grateful for being out there, just yeah. showing gratitude, uh, that I was able to make it to, you know, race day. I was able to finish the swims, finish the bike and be out on the run course. And even if I was walking, I was going to be power walking. I was going to have a smile on my face and I was going to be happy that, you know, despite a challenging year, I was, I was at this race competing and that just flipped everything on its head like all the pain all the suffering I experienced out there it was like it was all fuel for for this like wonderful experience that I was I was able to take part in and that changed everything for the marathon for me and as slow as it was there was a lot of walking I I got to like have these wonderful conversations with these these other really friendly athletes on the course I got to just like take in this beautiful uh marathon course it's my favorite marathon um that i've done so far just kind of looping around the uh the the artificial you know damned lake there
0: yeah
1: and it's kind of right next to the arizona state university and oh my god like sun's going down like everything is just picturesque um All the volunteers were amazing everybody was so positive there was actually interesting side note there were a it was almost a one-for-one volunteer to athlete at that that course at that race that's amazing i know it which is a testament to the community out there
0: uh i mean just doing my just doing a half it was amazing logistically how much stuff takes place and it shows you why it's so expensive
1: right yeah
0: it is unbelievable the coordination that takes place for an ironman event
1: (laughs) There are a lot of moving parts, yeah, uh, it's for sure. Yeah. So when, um, when
0: you're in those depleted states, were you still able to kind of keep, you know, mentally <laughs> tuned in with your nutrition throughout? Or were you kind of pulling reserves at different aid stations and just taking this and taking that? And just like, whatever, I'm going to have was, this right now.
1: I was totally free flow state. I, I was like, all right, you know, I, I really... I really believe in in trusting your taste buds if you understand what that means of like if you if you look at a table that has goo pretzels m&ms uh gatorade like you know whatever m&ms you can you can (laughs) yeah right you can look at everything and and you will your eyes will gravitate towards the thing that you need i agree which is it's it's a crazy phenomenon that like if you need salt and carbs than like the pretzels, you know, original Lay's potato chips that they had or whatever, or the pretzels with salt on them. Like those will jump out at you. And then it just tastes like the best thing you've ever eaten in your life. Hunger sauce. Um, Yeah. So I, I just relied on that and it, it did not fail me. Like every aid station, it was something else, you know, orange slices at one aid station. Like, um, the one thing that really saved me though, was at mile 18, the sun had, just gone down, and i was I was starting to get really, really tired uh, like i I was why? having trouble keeping my eyes open, <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> so this is like maybe twelve hours into the race. yeah, you know, it's like started the race at like just before seven, it's like seven pm Sun's down, like I'm cold <laughs> It's like sapping my energy. You know, now it's down to like 60 degrees air temp, but like, I'm not actually moving very fast, so I'm not keeping my heart rate up. So I'm getting like way colder. <laughs> um, and so I actually, I was joking. I, I, I was walking past this aid station. I was like, hey, you guys have any uh, cocaine, amphetamines, you know, really any, any kind of uppers? <laughs> like I'm really feeling down. And they were laughing and they're like, well, we got Coca-Cola and Red Bull. And I was like, actually, I'll take some Red Bull. <laughs> um, and I really don't like Red Bull. But, oh my God, that picked me up like you wouldn't believe. Oh yeah. And I ended up taking Red Bull at almost every aid station from mile eighteen to the finish line. Holy crap! Which how yeah, are they? Because
0: how are they separated?
1: Uh, it's it's like this cool design so that like you don't have to like slowly go past the aid station to know because like water is at the very start and the very end of the aid station. Yeah. Gatorade is the next one in. Okay. Then then there's like the food on one table and the, the Red Bull on another. So like you always know like the third table's like the food one, yeah. the fourth one's the Red Bull one. And you can grab water at the start and the end.
0: And was it like every two or, or four miles?
1: Oh oh yeah, they're separated like that. Um I think probably every two. Wow. They were plentiful. So yeah, you had sure. what,
0: like four to five Red Bulls by the time you
1: I mean they're like little you know oh gotcha. little like water uh water cooler cup type oh, thing. I see. So I see what you're talking about. Yeah, it was, like a I shot. probably had like Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it was probably like two Red Bulls, but That's it awesome. kept me alive, man. Yeah. I actually s I stopped to pee at probably like mile twenty four or something. It's like before I made my final push. And I just like rested is in, in a porta potty. I rested my hand on like the the top of the porta potty. And I, I had a micro sleep and I like fell forward against the wall of the poor buddy. <laughs> and wow. I was like, oh no, oh boy. I like don't close your eyes. Keep moving. <laughs> that
0: would have been a funny story.
1: <laughs> yeah. Fall into the port. Come out All blue. <laughs> that'd be a photo finish.
0: Oh, that'd be amazing. <laughs> like what happened to that yeah. guy?
1: Or, or I wake up like, you know, eight hours later, nobody's yeah. there. And they're like,
0: well, there goes at 17 <laughs> like, hours.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was uh is is really special. Like I hit mile twenty four and I was like, All right, everything left in the tank, like let's go. And uh I was able to I was probably doing like nine minute miles for the last two miles and it felt like I was pushing four minute miles <laughs> on my legs at that point. That's gnarly. But but yeah, finished at uh fourteen hours and one minute which was uh my my slowest by 50 minutes so it was was very much not my pr of 11 30 that i was hoping but it was it was a finish and not only that i was able to truly enjoy the race and like slow down and appreciate everything um i got uh let's see i've got a bunch of stats here so I think I got like 120th out of my age group out of like 180 athletes. Um and I you know I I knew anything in like the top 100 would probably be pretty good cuz it's such a fast age group. But um there were actually 44 athletes in my age group that went faster than my my personal best. Wow. And I think 12 of them in the top 50 overall which was <laughs> w- including the pros which was incredible. Um, according to my, my, my data for my Garmin and my whoop and stuff, I, I burned around 7,000 calories during the race, which I thought was interesting. Um, Oh, Mike Riley, if anybody's ever heard, you know, the voice of the guy, you know, you are an iron man. It's actually one of the the things you heard in the intro for the episode. Um, so that's Mike Riley. He, he's been doing that for like three decades or something. And he's retiring on December 10th. Um, I think Ironman New Zealand is his last race. And this was actually a second to last race. So he's, he's called out my name and said, you're an Ironman for um, all four of my, my Ironmans now. And, and it was really special to hear him say, say that this time, knowing that it would be the last time. That he's retiring and and done with that gig, but he's he's really famous within the, the Ironman community. Um, the pro race, the winner was uh, Joe Skipper, uh, one of the pros. He went a seven forty six, seven hours and forty six minutes, which is really impressive. Anything under eight is crazy fast. And Patty, I I can't remember if I mentioned to you, but um, the second place guy. Just absolutely had a jaw-dropping marathon time of a two thirty-five thirty at the end of his Ironman.
0: That is gnarly. <laughs> yeah.
1: he went. His marathon was nine minutes faster than the first-place marathon, and he almost caught him at the end. That's how quick he was moving. Because like the really the really fast guys in the pros usually go about a two forty-five.
0: Oh, I didn't know that. And that's
1: and that's about what uh, the first place did. You know, after. You know, a crazy fast swim and averaging like, you know, 26, 27 miles an hour on the bike. But, uh, but yeah, they, so like I said, we had like 22, 2300 athletes. They were actually, uh, I don't think it was a record, but it was a very high number of uh, DNSs or did not start. So people who just chose not to show up for race day or weren't able to show up for race day. Uh, almost 600 athletes fit that category. Wow. Which is kind of crazy it was also i think either the record or close to the record of the the number of first time iron man um entries so people who had never completed an iron man um and there were there were i think 1100 who signed up and 800 who hit the start line which was really impressive and i think correlated to that we saw a really high number of DNFs or did not finish. So people who dropped out of the race at some point for, you know, by choice or medical or otherwise. Um, normally that's somewhere in like the 5 to 7% range. And at this race, it was 20%. <laughs> which uh, I think speaks to two things. I think it speaks to the number of first timers. So people who maybe didn't know what they're getting into. Yeah. But also the, the temperature, like all that panic and stuff I was talking about that I experienced on the swim, I actually talked to about half dozen athletes on the run. Um, while I was, you know, walking and chatting with people and, uh, everybody else experienced the exact same thing, surprisingly. And so, um, I dunno, I guess it's just the fact that we couldn't acclimate to it was causing that, but I wouldn't be surprised if that contributed to the, the people quitting the race. Um, and then the, certainly the headwind on the bike was probably the, the single toughest environmental aspect of, of the race. Yeah. be interesting to see
0: where the majority of them, uh, stopped. Yeah. Now, was it T1 where they all stopped? Yeah. So was, were all the transitions in the same spot? So did the swim run it flow into the bike and the bike came back to the start of the bike and yes
1: yeah it was like an a to a race in the sense of yeah like the swim obviously you got out in a different spot like i said earlier but the transition tent that we changed from the swim to the bike is the same tent we changed you know from bike to run okay etc yeah that's nice yeah that made it uh logistically easy especially on the spectators Mm -hmm. it was hands down the best spectator uh venue i've seen for that reason I also kind of nerded out and went through training peaks and kind of aggregated some of my training numbers that I thought could be interesting to kind of talk about. (laughs) Um, Now keep in mind, these numbers are all pretty low for like the average person training for an Ironman. um, Because uh, I think I mentioned early on in in our recording, you know, I've had some, some kind of out of the ordinary uh, life events going on um, earlier this year that i I actually was supposed to race uh, St. George in the spring, Ironman St. George, but then I um, had a bunch of stuff come up, uh, one of which was uh, appendicitis and then surgery from that. And then I actually had complications from that surgery and had to go back into the hospital. Um, And so I, you know, I went, I think I was like two months without running. I was just going on some walks during that time. But, um, so anyway, these numbers are pretty low, but I I officially kind of, I'm calling my training having started in April, and uh, so April to November, seven and a half months, I completed 247 workouts. I swam 64 miles, biked 1,647 miles, and ran 485, which uh, totaled about 2,200 miles, and I thought it was a fun fact just to put it in perspective. That's about a hundred miles shy of the distance driving from Norfolk to Phoenix. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I almost, almost trained exactly the distance to get to the race. But yeah, um, I got some other data here, but it's, uh, it's kind of getting into the weeds, but yeah. Uh, holy cow. What a race. I'm so happy. It's, it's done. I already, I've got a an, Kind of a non-traditional iron man tattoo it's uh it's not the traditional m dot uh tattoo and i and i like to put a little symbol of of each race that i do around the tattoo and so i already added a uh a cactus a little uh little cactus for my the perimeter of my tattoo for uh iron man in arizona so i'm super excited so yeah um going forward what are your goals, Pat? What are we looking forward to?
0: Uh, I think Boston, right? Yeah, Boston. So December. Boston's August seventeenth, I believe. It's normally on a Monday. Um, so we'll see. I mean, we're coming into you know the brunt of winter. So January, February, March training. Um, but there's really no pressure. Uh, I you know I'll see how the the plan goes, and then. Uh, kind of the same thing where I'll do a couple 5Ks, a couple 10Ks for just fitness tests to see where I'm at. Um, Honestly, before all that, I still want to go to ODU and do our VO2 max. Oh, which yep. um, maybe we could. Let's do it. Maybe that could be a <clears throat> early January present to ourselves post Christmas. Yeah. How um, about I'll
1: pay for yours, you pay for mine. Ideal. Christmas Merry Christmas to each other. <laughs>
0: That's a great idea. I love that. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'd love, to, I'd be interested in seeing that. Um, like I was telling you earlier, I just started running last Monday and it's, I don't know, I've been clipping at like sub six thirty, seven thirty, not 630, I wish, um, 730 paces and just feeling really good and fluid, um, which is exciting.
1: Just feeling recovered. And-
0: yeah. Uh, uh, but I, I, I want to be smart and not jump right back into it because I did that before and I got hurt, so but yep. um, yeah, maybe some 5Ks, 10Ks. Uh, this Christmas, um, I'm actually going up to Boston. And me and two, possibly three uh, of my buddies are going to do a mountaineering trip. Um, Whoa. As long as work doesn't, uh, you know, carriers tend to be a little fluid. So we'll see if that impedes. Yep. But, uh, yeah, we're going to do, like, a two- or three-day mountaineering, like, tour where we're being taught the ins and outs of um, mountaineering by a professional. And then we'll go back, rest up, and then uh, we're looking to summit Mount Washington. Whoa. Which is, I think, the highest peak on the Appalachian. So it's, like, the northern part of the Appalachian Trail up in New Hampshire. that's where...
1: That's where the AT finishes yeah. on the north northern yeah. run, right?
0: Yeah, I believe so. Um, at or near there. So uh, that's yeah. going to be my next, like, physical feat. It's going to be a little bit different, obviously. It's, um, it's going to be more survival than it will be, uh, you know, trying to hit certain clips. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, I'm very green to that. I have no idea. The people I'm going with are actually pretty experienced. Um, so I think I have the fitness. I just need to make sure I have the right equipment and I'm smart with my nutrition. So that's probably the yep. the closest gator to the, uh, boat in regards Canoe. to doing yep. something challenging. But
1: dude, that's awesome. Yeah. When did you say that's going to be again?
0: So I fly up uh, Christmas night. Um, and then we trout, my buddy's going to pick me up. From uh, I think Logan, Logan's the international airport there in Boston. I believe. Yeah, so. that sounds right. Yeah, and then yep. we'll uh, he'll pick me up. Um, I'm doing a red eye. Pick me up on the 26th. We'll travel up, do two two and a half days of instruction, come back, repack our bags, and then do a three day uh, summit, and obviously come back down. Uh, trip, which should be cool because that'll be my uh, birthday present present to myself. So I'll be turning a young thirty-one.
1: That's amazing.
0: Um, yeah, but uh, so that, um, but Boston will be. I guess my next next big race. So it should, yeah. I, I'm I'm excited. I. uh, I feel like my fitness is good. I. I don't feel rushed to get to like you know. Uh, I don't know. I just feel chill, so I we'll see. It's I mean, two forty-five maybe at Boston, maybe faster, maybe a comfortable two fifty. Maybe I blow up and I walk and do three hours and thirty minutes, and I drink some beers and <laughs> kiss some girls,
1: <laughs> kiss some babies. Yeah, kiss
0: some babies. <laughs> um, so uh, we'll see, um, but. Yeah, that's that. So how about you?
1: Dude, that's incredible. What a cool kind of asymmetric uh, plane you have. Um, Dude, I'm so up in the air. The short answer is I don't know. Um, One thing that uh, you and I have talked about that I I think is the only solid thing that I I really want to plan for is um, I want to do the Marine Corps Marathon next year. Yeah. And so, like, maybe the two of us and then my buddy – Nick who's a roommate from from the academy he is a monster runner and uh and promises me he's out of shape but I know for a fact he goes for like every weekend or every other weekend he goes for like a 18 to 22 miler yeah out of shape and so if, if that's out of shape then <laughs> i am out of shape yeah i wonder what his
0: <laughs> in shape is then
1: yeah oh it's yeah. scary i've seen that but uh but yeah so maybe the three of us can uh the uh, Navy Marine Corps Marathon. Um, So I, if all goes as planned, I should be hopefully transitioning to a new job and maybe moving um, up to Maryland here in the spring, which is definitely going to take priority. That and grad school are certainly going to kind of take priority over, um, you know, diving into too many other physical challenges. But if I can kind of juggle all that well, like I have this year, I'd really like to maybe kind of re reinvigorate myself with like the shorter distance yeah. uh, triathlons. Cause I honestly, I haven't done, it's been almost five years since my last non Ironman triathlon. <laughs> and, wow. uh, I'd really like to get back and just like, just absolutely crush some sprints and Olympics and halves and, and, Make the mistakes and like blow up on the run and and bonk and and just limit test a little more because um, you know when I'm running the Ironman stuff it's it's generally a lot slower and a lot more challenging I would argue overall but but in different ways right it's it's like an endurance like test against time whereas you can do a sprint and encounter just as much pain just in a very Condensed fashion, <laughs> yeah. When you're, when you're, uh, you're tickling like your uh, threshold heart rate for the entire, uh, you know, hour long race or whatever. So, Maryland is kind of the hub for all the different directions of where you can do all these triathlons. That, like, all the ones I did in college um, are still up and running or in that, in that area. So it'd be like really close to go do all those and uh, see my old stomping ground. So, I think that's the goal. Is maybe maybe dabble in some like shorter distance triathlons and Mm -hmm. then uh, um marathon train. But, but man, I'm, I'm already really thirsty for my next Ironman. Like with how well the training went this year, like I was in the best shape I've ever been in about six weeks ago before that sickness. And and it, it does, it does dig at me a little bit. Like what could I have done this past Sunday if I hadn't, um, had that interruption and i i i want to find out i want to i want to seek to to beat that pr and uh and have another go at it so that's definitely on the horizon that's probably a 2024 uh aspiration but uh yeah it's just so exciting there's so much fun stuff to look forward to
0: yeah that's awesome
1: yeah dude so much good stuff well that's all i had prepared do you have anything that uh that we missed any other stuff for your marathon
0: nah um I think it was last weekend the Norfolk Harbor half was going on um so this has actually been the second this has been the second week that I've been able to run yeah but going up to the Norfolk Harbor half or no this is the first week right was your marathon last? Uh, was your Ironman last weekend or the weekend before? A week,
1: a week ago from today, yeah. Okay,
0: yeah. So, I was like kind of itching to run Norfolk Harbor half. Um, I was like <laughs> straight I should, out of the marathon. Yeah, I was because I like I kind of felt good. My legs were you know fresh. I was walking around. <laughs> I was like I could because the the coach that I work with his team, you know, um, his club, they participate in this. Hampton roads challenge where of the different running clubs in the Hampton roads area, it's a point based for the five K the 10 K and the half marathon that take place that weekend. And you know, taking your top runners from each event points based, you can win this trophy. So I was like, Oh, maybe I'll like, Hmm. you know, take place in the half. I should do decent and help out the guys. Um, Long well, story short, I didn't do it, but what I ended up doing, which is probably, I would say, honestly, I had more fun. Um, I had some friends that were running in it, and there was people running in it that I didn't even know were running in it, but I got on my road bike because the, the start was in downtown Norfolk, which is about five miles from my house. So it was a cold morning. I just bundled it up and got on my road bike, went down to the waterfront area, and uh was pretty much just bopping around the race course for uh
1: cool probably
0: about two hours and just like picking up friends and saying hi to them and you know providing a little bit of you know just positivity and uh (laughs) it was cool and i you know there was other people on the side that were there cheering and i had not seen them in a while and they're like patty i was like what's up so mcsalty i think was doing the 10k or the half and Oh, was he really? Yeah. Um, That's awesome. So that was a lot of fun. I don't know. Maybe it was, it kind of made me think, you know, one day coaching would be fun um, because I had so much enjoyment kind of just being there and picking up people throughout. Um, And it kind of goes, I, I, you know, the beauty of the running community is so many people that run also volunteer at all the other events, you know, and like, I think volunteering is sometimes even more. (laughs) It's paying back to, you know, running has probably given all of us more than we could ask for. And then, you know, going back out there and volunteering at the tents or just being there on the side of the road, freezing, having a sign-up. Um, yeah. It was fun being on that other side. I, re- I really being, enjoyed it. Giving back. Um. So there's a couple of races actually coming up this in, like, two weeks. There's one in particular. It's called the she- Seashore 50K which is um takes place at first lane state park and i don't i'm not gonna run it because it's too close and i don't want to push my body that much um yeah but i'd like to get out there and maybe get my mountain bike and ride around saying hi to the different runners
1: yeah no kidding so yeah i the only race i've been able to um volunteer at anytime somewhat recently was uh I'm in Maryland the year after I competed. So I guess that was twenty eighteen. Gosh, that was four years ago. But um but being out on the run course, um, you know, handing out water or coke or whatever it was was so awesome. And then and then, you know, it was shifts, it was like two shifts or whatever. And so I did the first shift and then I was just like drink, drinking IPAs like in the stands <laughs> at the finish line, like cheering people on, like yeah. having a beer like that was amazing yeah <laughs> the year before i was i was out there just cursing my existence
0: yeah it was pretty <laughs> great because I, so the company that ran it was jna they're pretty big they're here in the Virginia beach local area and each runner yeah. got four beard t- uh tickets which what? is a lot in my opinion so i was able yeah. to uh
1: it'll knock you out after was... yeah
0: i know so um there was a, there was quite a few runners that I knew, and they were uh, fortunate enough to let me have a couple, so that was really nice. <laughs> I was able to get my carbs after, but one of my friends yeah. in particular did extremely well. It was her first half, and she smoked it, so that was cool. Jeez, uh, yeah. Oh, did you,
1: did you hear about our our friends uh, Extreme and uh, and Twerk did the uh, JFK 50? Well, last oh weekend. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think they. I know twerk went like a 10 hour, uh, 50 miler. I don't know. I, I, I assume she ran with her husband, but yep. They both extreme, ran together.
0: Um, okay, she nice. smoked it. But yeah. She did extremely yeah, well. So it was awesome to see. So proud of them. So I actually saw them at church today. They, they had a little bit, of oh, a no way. little bit of a limp, but they looked overall pretty yeah. strong. <laughs> Understandably. Yeah, the, like, yeah. the ultra family.
1: <laughs> yep. Yeah. With, uh, a couple of kids or whatever. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. they did. It's a lot to juggle.
0: Yeah, so that's pretty cool. Um
1: oh the the other the other thing I, I did want to mention that I was really excited about was <clears throat> I just found out about the there's a, a legacy um accession program to get to Kona, the uh Hawaii Ironman.
0: Yeah.
1: World championships. Where normally you have to, you know, place first or second in your age group, which for my current age group would be, you know, basically having to race within like 30 minutes to 45 minutes of the pros, <laughs> which is not going to happen. Um, however, if you do 12 Ironman events, then you automatically get, um, well, if you ask for it, you'll get put into a drawing and uh, and you'll you'll get to go to Kona, you know, either that next year or in the next couple of years. And uh, that just gave me a lot of hope because I thought I was going to have to wait till I was like 60 to... I haven't age group slimmed down enough to be able to do well, but, you know, I'm a third of the way there.
0: Yeah, you are. And you're very young.
1: Yeah. So that was exciting to kind of figure out there's other options. I'd never heard of that before.
0: Yeah. I think uh, one other thing that's worth mentioning is the fact that we uh, got to our double-digit episode. Oh, that's right. So this is our 10th episode, which uh, I know it sounds – you know, just 10, but.
1: But still, that's pretty cool. That's achievement. Going from yeah. talking about it over a beer at Yorgos to having 10 episodes in the books is pretty special. Yeah. And how much fun it's been. And Holy cow.
0: It has. It's been really cool. It's made, probably made this training block the best training block so far.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah. I think a goal we could set for ourselves too with the uh, little bit of slowdown in life with our big kind of pinnacle races out of the way is, um, I don't know, striving for a little more consistency. That's hard enough yeah. with, with our jobs, but but uh, that, yeah. that could be our next challenge.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe a New Year's resolution. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. Beautiful. As long as I get cell reception where I'm at.
1: Yeah, <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> might, might have to go to a coffee shop soon. Yep. Yeah.
1: <laughs> awesome. Well, do we have fun today, Pat?
0: Dude, I had a blast, so. Dude, I've been looking forward to this episode for think so long. It's been what 18 weeks. Yeah. Pretty much when we started our first one. Yep. So and how yeah, how much
1: we've we've you know overcome and accomplished in that time is it's cool to yeah. kind of think back.
0: Yeah, it truly it really has. So but yeah, how about yourself?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, this is uh this is really special. Um uh, I'm really glad we got to share this with everybody. Hopefully, um everybody enjoyed hearing about the races and maybe gave you that little extra motivation to go out and knock out your daily workout or get excited for your next race next season. And, uh, yeah, I'm just excited about getting into the, the winter, uh, off season and, and getting in shape for next year. I've got a lot of, a lot of motivation to do that.
0: Yeah. You have to join me for some cold dips.
1: Yeah. I need, definitely need some accountability to show up for those. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs>
1: Awesome. Well, thanks, you guys, for joining us for Episode 10. We'll be back uh, next week for Episode 11 and back to a more standard format. But in the meantime, have a great week, and we'll see you. See you, guys.